Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. So if you sell through retailers or if you are a retailer yourself, you should give some thought as to what are your customers gaining and losing across these various platforms. So it's not equivalent from a customer standpoint to just start shopping online when before they used to go to the store. The interesting thing was the top of his head was really shiny, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, why is that? And they said, because people touch his head for luck when they go into these rooms. So important decisions or important purchases could be something that's a lot of money, yeah? Or could be just something that's important to you. So Ryan, a little while ago, I bought myself, well, I shouldn't say that, bought myself. I bought the family, so that included my good lady wife, a 65-inch television. A 65-inch television has big cardboard blinders around it so that only you can watch it? <laughs> I've studied Freud, Colin. I understand what you were really saying when you said that you bought it for yourself. Truth be known, Luane couldn't care less what television we had. <laughs> yeah and didn't understand why we needed to change in the first place. <laughs> but for me, it was important. Yeah. So anyway, looked into it in a fair amount of detail, chose the difference between the two, wanted to see the screen quality, blah, 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 you know, and end up, ironically, end up buying the wrong TV, but that's another story. <laughs> and to do that, the point I'm trying to get to is I went into local stores and looked at it because today we're going to be talking about retail and the future of retail. So this is after you did all your research online, you then went into the stores and, and had to actually... Yeah, you know, went and looked at some reviews, then went into the stores and then checked them out, went into a couple of different stores, spoke to a couple of different people. But the contrast was about three weeks ago, I bought a 24-inch television to go in our kitchen and it needed to be small to go in a particular area that we have the telly in and can only literally fit that size in. And I bought that straight away, just went on Amazon, click, 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 bought, delivered the next day, okay? And I guess that for me starts to summarise some of the differences between what's happening in the retail sector and as we go through the pandemic, everyone's saying this is going to be the death of retail and it's accelerating the changes. I don't think it's necessarily going to be the death of retail. I think it's going to be the reshaping of retail. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at what we think some of the future of retail looks like. Yeah, I'm excited. What we've got is we've got two lists, haven't we? We've got your list and we've got my list. Mm -hmm. So let's, as we do this, as the as the yin and the yang, you start off with the theory of why we have retail in the first place and all that stuff, and then I'll come in with the more practical 
that sounds like I'm insulting you, but I don't mean to be. It's only because you're not an academic. If you were, you'd realize that <laughs> you were complimenting me. Yes, that's right. Yes, I didn't realize I was insulting myself. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Within the Ivy Tower, that's not, that's not an insult. <laughs> so you start off with your list of four, and then I'll explain what I think is happening in sort of four different four or five different ways that I think people are shopping and what that actually means to retail going forward. Sounds good. Yeah. To give our listeners a, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain in terms of how we develop these topics, Colin had this great idea of what is the future of retail and, and how we're shopping going to permanently be changed by what's going on now. And I thought it was a great topic. And, and then we both independently ran off in our respective directions. <laughs> So I, of course, looked at it from a theory perspective and Colin from a, a practical perspective. So hopefully putting these things together, it'll be both interesting and, and informative to people. So I came up with a list of four different theoretical areas that inform the changes that are going on in retailing now. And I think that they will overlap with the list that you came up with. Definitely. I think we're thinking in similar directions. So one is what's called haptics. And you already made reference to it a little bit in your television story. There's this idea that people just want to touch things, and that is informative to us in some way. So there's lots of research on this in different specific areas. But like I've seen research papers on like the difference between standing on a tile floor and standing on a carpeted floor and how that changes the way we make decisions sometimes. And there's the idea that you know you might might not like something and then when you actually touch it, and feel it, that can change your perception of it. There was a, a famous anecdote a couple of years ago about Beats headphones. So this is a, a popular headphone brand for a while, uh, these over-ear headphones. And they were this kind of chunky plastic design. Somebody actually took one apart and found that there were these just pieces of metal inside that didn't do anything. And they were just there to weight down the headphones. So they made it heavier and that made it then feel more substantial. That was a haptics response. Like you, you wouldn't know from looking at it, but when you pick it up and you feel it and it feels heavier, that informs you. It makes you think that the headphones are of higher quality and more substantial. Sure. Obviously, haptics don't exist online. You, can, you can't touch it. You can't feel it. And so some of the marketing that's been done around that is going to need to shift. Um, we're going to need to try to give people different types, more visual cues when haptic cues won't be as useful or informed. As we started debating this topic, it's always surprised me how you do want to touch things, don't you? I mean, we went on a vacation in uh, England a couple of months ago and we went to a castle and you, you just, you want to touch the wall. It feels like you're connected to it somehow, doesn't it? And you can see the evidence of where people have been touching the wall or the statues for hundreds of years, right? There's always those shiny brassy spots on statues in public spaces where people have been touching over and over yeah no yeah funny you should mention that actually because uh, let me tell you a little story as a sidebar to that under the tony blair government in the uk so this is now 10 15 years ago i actually went into 10 downing street to talk to them about the citizen experience so rather than customer experience the citizen experience and therefore you know what does all of that mean and it was really interesting. I won't bore you with the whole story, but going into number 10. And one of the things that you go up this stairway in number 10, 
and they've got all these different sort of conference rooms. And outside, at the top of the stairway, they've got a bust of Winston Churchill made of brass. And you know when brass, you know, is not polished, it goes sort of that dirty colour. Yeah. yeah. But the interesting thing was, and you'll also recall that Winston Churchill was bald. The interesting thing was the top of his head was really shiny. right? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, why is that? And they said, because people touch his head for luck when they go into these rooms. <laughs> and again, it just sort of highlights the bit about touch and being connected. I mean, it's, it's really deeply ingrained in us. We rely a lot on visual stimuli because those are very informative and important. But we've got all of these senses that help us, help us navigate the world and that date back you know, millions of years in evolution. And so that's going to change. That is changing and, and will continue to change as we move from a physical shopping environment to an online shopping environment, which truncates, which limits the number of inputs that we can use in making our decisions. So that's one. A related area of theory. Now I'm thinking we should have separate podcasts on each of these topics, Colin, because people just want more theory, Is if I've learned anything about people. Yeah, they'll turn off at the first part of the podcast and they'll turn on in the second part. If they can do that, I don't know. We have no evidence of that. We can't. <laughs> Is that why you led with this? Because you knew that if we quit second, everybody would tune out. Yeah, I shouldn't have let you go first. Stick around for the practice. <laughs> the second area is something called embodied cognition. Right. And the idea here is that our brains, our minds develop in concert with our bodies. And so we use bodily stimuli to, at a really, really deep and fundamental level, inform our thinking. There's a whole bunch of research that falls into this area. I have a friend who published some research where they found that when it's cold outside, people tend to prefer romantic movies more than other genres. All right, yeah, yeah. The idea being that when I'm physically cold, that activates this need to feel warm and the way that our minds kind of work and ideas bounce around then romantic warmth or warm feelings can meet that need in some way and so that changes yeah there's research that's been done that when you're holding something warm in your hands that you evaluate other people as being more warm and friendly that when you're holding something heavier that makes things feel more serious to you so this would be another way that moving out of a physical environment and into an online environment could affect the way that people make evaluations and choices. Yeah, good point. I can see how both of these slot into the more practical stuff as well. Well, I'm hoping that in addition to introducing these theory, I'm stealing your thunder. That was the other part. Absolutely. I wanted to go first. No change there then. The third <laughs> one is social shopping. Okay. So there's been research on the effects of making decisions in the context of other people. So for example, when men are shopping with other men, their choices tend to become more extreme. When women are shopping with other women, their choices tend to become more compromising or middle of the road. And there are lots of effects like this. So when we shop with other people that we know, that can influence us. When we shop in the context of other people that we don't know. So sometimes people are, are afraid to buy embarrassing products when they're in, in a crowded environment just because they feel like they're being judged. All of that changes when we are shopping online alone, typically, rather than when we're shopping in public. That all makes sense, yeah. So the last one that I would encourage people to think about from a theory perspective is the nature of non-planned and impulse purchases. So a lot of non-planned purchases that happen in a physical store environment 
are things that we just encounter. You know, we walk by and we go, oh, right, I, I was running low on that or, well, that looks interesting. I've never tried that before. And so you grab it and you throw it in shopping cart and, and that's how you get it. I don't want to say that we never do impulse buying online. Clearly, that's not the case. And, you know, we've all been on Amazon where they suggest additional things that people like us have purchased before and often will be enticed by that. But I do think that it changes just the volume of, of new things that we can run into when we're shopping on Amazon just doesn't even remotely compare to the volume of new things that we can encounter walking through a grocery store. It's going to be much more targeted, much more specific, typically much more related to what we are shopping for in that instant. And also, it'll be less deliberate. So one way that impulse shopping might increase as we shop more online is you can fill immediate desires. So I might have, I might see a commercial or I might have some passing want. And then I need to remember to, to bring that up when I go to the store versus I can just pull out my phone and immediately get it. And I think that's an important one because I have to say, I don't think I've shopped as much as I do now for years. And one of the reasons for that is because it's available. So back in the day, if I go back, you know, 15, 20 years, I would write a list of things that I want to buy when I go to the shops. And typically I would forget the bloody list and, and then never end up buying it. But now Lorraine, my wife, constantly complains at me because there's something arriving at the front door every day of the week, basically. And why? Because I go, oh, I need some more guitar strings. And boom, 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 ordered, done in a flash. And I don't have to think about it. It's easier to just get it now than it is to make a list even. like The, the effort of making a list is no more or less than just clicking on it and buying it. Well, especially now that I love technology and if I now with Amazon and I now start going, put eggs on the shopping list or whatever it may be on the shopping list. And, you know, again, it just is automated and stuff like that. It makes it uh, so much easier. Just so. What is your digital or physical experience like from a customer perspective? What should you change? How do you compare against your competition? Whether you're a small, medium, or large size organization, why not let me or one of the team review your digital or physical experience by undertaking what we call an experience health check? In this short and affordable engagement, we will act as a customer. And if that's not practical, we will talk to your customers and we will assess your experience against best practice. We will then provide you with a series of actionable recommendations for change. If you're interested in finding out more, just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash healthcheck. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash healthcheck. So I think those are really good things. And I think that those things manifest themselves in sort of the environment that we're moving into. So let me try and explain where where I've been thinking about this stuff sort of coming together. So we're going to shift now from my superior list to your inferior list, if I understand. To my inferior practical, just, you know, let's do stuff list. Just to understand Absolutely. the structure of the podcast. <laughs> People can come back in now. <laughs> yeah. So for those listeners leaving now, thank you very much. Talk to you next week. <laughs> 
we all know during the pandemic, everything, you know, not everything, but lots more buying digitally, et cetera. And, it, and it's made me start to sort of think about all this stuff. And if I use the example, as I did at the top of the show, around buying a 65-inch TV and buying a 24-inch TV, and effectively I bought those in much different ways, then when you start to sort of analyse that, it starts to reveal some things, okay? So first of all, I think there's a a fairly well-worn process. The words I would use to describe it is when you're going into a retail experience, you're exploring, you're physically wandering around the shop or wandering online, you're evaluating, should I get this, should I get that? And that, again, could be in-store or or digitally. You're defining. So in other words, I'm now going, yeah, I want this. Yeah. And then you're making that purchase. So for me, there are those four steps of exploring, evaluate, defining and purchase. And those used to be all done effectively in-store, pre-internet days. But now they can be a mixture of all those things. But if I go back to my TV example, the interesting part was that the 24-inch TV is effectively a commodity. Mm. Another key part of this was it wasn't important to me. I didn't really have to think about it. It wasn't an important purchase. And when I say the word important, either you could sort of then get into my list of categories, okay? So important decisions or important purchases could be something that's a lot of money, yeah, or could be just something that's important to you, okay? So in this case, the 65-inch TV was important to me. Certainly wasn't important to Lorraine, which is why she didn't come with me. (laughs) But I would throw into that category of important decisions and therefore when we talk about retail, I still think retail will will be there for these things. You're talking about buying a car, even as I was thinking about this, buying a fridge. I wouldn't just buy a fridge by just going onto Amazon or wherever else and buying it. I would want to physically go and see it and open the doors and do those things. And it could even be birthday presents where you want to put a bit of thought into what you're buying for that person or a car. Now, that doesn't mean to say for me that these important purchases, you don't finally make the purchase online, okay? And this sort of throws for me, throws the light on the fact that retail doesn't necessarily, or or would still include purchasing, but that's not the primary reason for it. The primary reason for it is to deal with some of the things that you've spoken about, i.e. I physically want to see it. I want to get a sense of confidence. I want to touch it. I want to see what it looks like. I want to smell it because this is an important choice to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I I would even push it further because I, I think you've hit on something really interesting with this idea of importance. And I mean, some of it is just kind of a confidence building measure. And the reason that I raise this is because I'm, I'm sure some of the, our listeners are like speaking back to some of your examples saying, well, well, I would buy a fridge online. Like that wouldn't be an issue for me. And there are various car services that are now operating entirely online and they'll just deliver the car to your home. So even if there's variants around the specifics, 
I think you've hit on something important around these issues of, of importance and trust and information. So if I buy a fridge, I may only care about the dimensions of the fridge and whether it has a couple of features. And so I, I don't feel like I need to see it itself if I've got confidence that it's going to meet those specific needs. For somebody else, because it's an important purchase, being sufficiently informed means actually touching it and actually you know, handling it and seeing what it looks like in person. Yes. The reality is, is that explore, evaluate, define, purchase. Okay. Those can be done in different ways. I may start off reading some reviews on it online. I then may go, okay, well, actually, I'm only interested in these three that look the best, but now I'm going to go to the store and look at it. And now I'm physically going to buy it there because by that time I've got an idea of the price or no, I'm, I'm now going to go away and look elsewhere and buy it online or whatever it may be. But to your point, for me, it's a given that we're into segmentation again and behavioral segmentation. So totally agree. Maybe there are people that will go out and buy a fridge and without seeing it. But there are other people like me that probably wouldn't. But then again, the interesting part for me is even with a fridge, it depends then when you're talking about it. Is it like the main fridge that's going to be in the, or is this a sort of a drinks fridge that you're just going to have in the garage? I suspect too, and going along with this idea of segmentation and, and people wanting and, and needing different things, even if it's the main fridge, if this is primarily a fashion choice for you, so you know, really care about the design of your of your kitchen and so you want, then you may buy it in a different way and need different types of inputs than if it's a very utilitarian fridge, right? That you don't care what your kitchen looks like and your appliances don't need to match. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And certainly something like, I mean, I'm, we're, we're thinking about buying a new car at the moment, but I will absolutely go to a showroom and go for a test drive, but I'm sure it's, I'm not going to buy it direct from a showroom anymore because the, I've had such poor experiences, but that's a separate issue. I'm conscious of time, so let me run through a couple of these other things which I think are, are in the mix here. So if you look at the other aspect of that, okay, so you've got important decisions where you're definitely, for me, you'd definitely be going to a location, a retail location to look at it. At the other end of the scale, you've got commodities. Do I need to go to a store to buy batteries? No. Do I need to go there to buy yogurts? No. Do I need to go there to buy toilet rolls? No. I can definitely buy all those things online and just get them delivered. So anything that is a commodity and that's where i think you start getting into had a conversation about buying something every day because it's there it's easy i can click a couple of buttons and it's delivered to me the next day the other part for me is then and everyone would have heard about this but sort of experiential shopping or experiential retailing so that could be where people are just going to the mall because they want to get out of the house they want to browse just the overall experience of maybe having lunch there. Maybe there's some entertainment. You know, they're going to go in a few stores and they're going to just buy something, basically. I've never had my kids more desperate to go grocery shopping with me than since the pandemic and the lockdown and they can't leave the house for anything. Now suddenly grocery shopping seems like the most interesting thing in the world that they could possibly do. Yeah, well, you always miss the, the thing that you love, don't you? That's right. So lumped in there, I would put things like I go to a farmer's market in Sarasota 
for food shopping, but I'm not going there really for the food. 75% of it is because I just enjoy walking around the stores and then sitting down and having a cup of coffee. And yeah, we're buying potatoes and leeks and other wonderful things, but it's more the experience art shows or art craft markets, things like that. Again, I wish I had a dollar for every time I'd walk around one of them and then never bought anything. Well, so do the vendors. They wish they had a dollar too for every time. (laughs) (laughs) The one which I think is the social one, and I've called it tribal shopping, okay? And we've done podcasts on this before, but guess which company I'm going to talk about? Um, I'm going to guess MasterCard. Yeah, am I right? I'm going to talk about Apple. Oh, right. I've never listened to one of our podcasts, so I don't know. (laughs) I've said before on the podcast, the reason I I enjoy going to the Apple shop is because it feels like I'm part of the tribe. And that's that social part of it. To the point, none of these are mutually exclusive. So it could be, so I'm going to buy myself the Apple 12. And at the time of recording this show it hasn't come out yet and i don't know what it is but i will still go there i will still look at it because it's an important decision but it's also part of the tribe so it's going to my club shop it's talking to other apple geeks it's looking at other apple products that they've got and when you then think of other tribal shops like you know luxury brands or maybe even places like Pandora shops, something that says something to you about your part of this tribe and you want people to know that and you feel like you're going into a meeting. And that, that for me, is the, the social things that you, you spoke about. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Just another source of value. And the last area, I think, for me, is the, this haptics area that you spoke about, which is... There are sometimes just things that I just feel I I need to touch and see and hold and see the size of it because I'm sure like you, I've bought things on Amazon and I've opened the box and I've thought, bloody hell, that's small. I didn't expect it to be that small because no matter how many times they tell you what the size of the product is, it's difficult to gauge sometimes. For me, it could be if I'm food shopping for a dinner party then again, you want to see some of the food or the cheese or the fish or the meat or whatever it is that you're buying. Because again, it's that physical sort of haptic, seeing it, smelling it, all part of the ritual of having a dinner party or whatever it may be. Do you remember dinner parties back in the day? I've read about them. Just to summarise, there is sort of commodity shopping, which is primarily digital. There's experience shopping, i.e. I'm going there as part of the experience to the mall, etc. There's tribal shopping. There's when I'm trying to make an important decision, I would go to a retail setting. And when I want to touch something, so maybe haptic shopping or touch and see and scale shopping. And I, I think... All the things that you mentioned at the beginning tie into each of those four areas, don't they? Or five areas. No, I I think so. I mean, we can 
think about this. So if you sell through retailers or if you are a retailer yourself, you should give some thought as to what are your customers gaining and losing across these various platforms. So it's not equivalent from a customer standpoint to just start shopping online when before they used to go to the store. But if you keep all of these things in mind, these two lists, my superior list and Colin's inferior list, then <laughs> you might be able to plan around it. So are there ways that you could make online shopping more social for your customers? Are there ways that you could simulate haptics better? If you have some really high res close up pictures of the texture of the fabric, that's not the same as haptics, but it's closer and it gives people more of the information that they might have gotten if they've been able to watch it. And that's where things like video and stuff like that start to obviously play a larger part because they do replace those things. And I think the other thing is just the whole branding thing because there are clearly brands that you trust more than you trust other brands and so on and so forth. And in, in instances where like there is no substitute, are you familiar with Warby Parker online glasses retailer? No. They've been selling glasses online now for, for several years. They were kind of early into that market. And they, they have all of the online glasses technology, you know, where you can like input a picture of your face and like zoom around and see what they, but a big part of their, their market is that they will mail you, I forget, four or five frames so that you can actually physically try them on with the expectation that you will mail all of them or all but one back. Yes. They recognized early on that as good as the technology is, there's going to be a large group of customers who are just not going to be comfortable buying something like glasses without trying them on first. And so they built that into their business model. And this is the way that they want people to shop for. So there may be instances where there's just no substitute. So account for that, accommodate it. Yes, I agree. And the only other piece of advice that I would give people would be that clearly this whole area is changing. And I would encourage people to think more about if you looked at a scale between showroom and retail store where somebody buys things, I would encourage people to start thinking more about showroom. So one of the big changes that Apple did lead on was they turned it more into a club. So even when you think about the checkouts, you know, the checkouts when they first launched were at the back of the store, not at the front of the store. You think about how you can build that social interaction, that tribe, what is, is the real reason that people would come here? And if they won't, they're fine. Save your rent, save all the cost of employing people there and just do a really good job of selling stuff on online. I don't think retail is ever going to go away. I think it's just going to change into much more of that sort of showroom example. So I hope that's been of use to everybody. One favour we, Ryan and I, would ask you to do, if you could jump online and if you could give us a review wherever you get your podcast from, that would really help us. We've got a number of good reviews up there, but it really helps us go up in the rankings if we get more. So if you can do that, we will be eternally grateful. Thanks very much, everybody, and talk to you next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. 
find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.